good to be with you this morning, brothers and sisters. Good to be back home with my uh, South Shore Baptist brothers and sisters. And uh, for those of you who are new that I've never, never met before, uh, welcome to South Shore Baptist, and nice to meet you too. Um, bring you greetings this morning from your brothers and sisters in Christ in Abu Dhabi, in the United Arab Emirates, from Evangelical Community Church. I'd invite you to open your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 7, verses 31 to 37, the end of that chapter. South Shore Baptist has been studying through the Gospel of Mark, and so this morning we're looking at Mark chapter 7, verses 31 to 37. I don't know if you ever go on Facebook or other social media, um, but uh, people often, one of the things people do these days is post videos on social media. And some of these videos I'm just a total sucker for. Uh, I, I know I shouldn't be, but like for instance, if, if I go on any social media and I see like a three minute video about dogs, like that's it, I'm watching. I, it, I can't help it. Funny dog videos. Uh, or another one that I love are these funny videos where people... Uh, kind of like home blooper videos, you know, persons bouncing on the diving board and the diving board breaks and then they, and I know I should be above that. I know I, I, know I should be classier than that, but when I see those videos, like, like I, I'm, I'm watching, they crack me up. Some other kind of videos, though, that, uh, that suck me in, not because they're funny, but because they're, they're really touching. Uh, you know, for instance, I don't know if you've seen these ones where the, the soldier has been overseas and then they come home and they surprise their kid at school. And the kid didn't know mom or dad was coming back early. And, yeah, I love those. I, I, I see those, and I, you know, I like watching those. And I don't like get something in my eye a little bit, you know, when I'm watching those videos too. But there's a new type that I've seen that, uh, that I always watch. I, I can't not watch these. It's, uh, it's when people, uh, through medical surgery, I don't know if it's cochlear implants or what, but they get their hearing back. I don't know if you've seen these videos. They're powerful. There'll be someone, usually someone sitting in a doctor's office, and then the doctor will, or the nurse will turn on the device and power it up. And they'll say, so, okay, can you hear me? And usually the person is first in shock. You see surprise on their face. And then typically they just break down sobbing. As usually there's like a mom in the room or a spouse. And, and maybe it's the first time they've actually heard the voice of their loved ones. Or, or maybe they lost their hearing and they hear them again. And, and, and those are such powerful uh, moments and, and I, I find them incredibly touching and moving, and it makes me in awe. I mean, you, it's like, wow, this person has never heard, or, or they lost their hearing, and they can hear again. It's a, mir- it's a medical miracle. And I think that's the kind of feeling, that's the sort of response, this sort of awe and wonder that, that we are supposed to have when we read the miracle stories in the Gospels. That, that, that they call us to a sense of wonder and awe, not at medicine and what technology can do, but at what God can do and who Jesus is. And, and so today we come to one of these miracle stories, and there's many of them in the Gospels. This is the story of the healing of a deaf and mute man. And, and notice the awe and wonder that the story ends with. And, and we're called to have awe and wonder, but again, not at medicine, but at the person of Jesus Christ. And so let me read this verse, these verses, 
at the end of Mark chapter 7. It says, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There, some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged him to place his hand on the man. After Jesus took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. And at this, the man's ears were opened. His tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. And Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more, uh, the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. I want to show you two things from this passage this morning. Sort of two. I have two points uh, for this sermon. The first, I, I, I want us to see something about Jesus in this text. I think this text, first and foremost, primarily, is telling us who Jesus is. It's going to highlight something about Jesus. And then the second thing is, I think this text is going to show us something about ourselves. This text shows us something about who Jesus is, but something also about who we are. This text is both a window through which we can look and see Christ clearly, but it's also a mirror that helps us look at ourselves and see ourselves clearly through, through the biblical text. It's both a window to Christ and a mirror to our own souls. And, and I think the thing that this text shows us about Jesus is that he truly is God's Messiah. That Jesus truly is the Savior sent from God. That the miracles He does mark Him as the Messiah. And and I think what this text calls us to do is to marvel at this miraculous Messiah. This miracle-working Messiah. So let's look at the text. Notice how it shows us Christ in this light. So here we have Jesus, and He's uh, in the region of the Decapolis. So that would be like on the east side of the Jordan River, on that, that region. And uh, they bring him in this guy who can't hear, can hardly talk. And so Jesus pulls him aside, and he does all these things. He puts his fingers in his ear, he spits, touches his tongue, he sighs, and then he says, be opened. And then the guy is, is healed. And in verse 36, he tries to keep it quiet. I don't know if you've been here for the Mark sermon series. Maybe you've seen this pattern where Jesus does miracles or he casts out demons and he's always trying to keep it quiet and it never works. <laughs> the more he tells people to be quiet, the more they talk. Um, and, and that's an interesting uh, theme to explore in the Gospel of Mark. And, then, uh, and so people keep talking and, and notice the amazement, the amazement. He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. They're amazed at Jesus. And so I I think the point, the main point of this text is to show us that Jesus really is God's Messiah. He really is the Savior sent from God. And the way you know is because of the miracles. Jesus' miracles mark him as the Messiah. And, And if you've, again, if you've been studying through the Gospel of Mark, you've seen this over and over again, that he does these miracles. And these miracles help people understand that he's not just another teacher. He's not just another rabbi. He is God's Savior and the miracles are what prove it and what identify him. Even the demons, when he drives out the demons, you know, what do they say? I know who you are. You're the son of God. And then he's like, be quiet, don't talk, stop saying that. And he shuts them up and then he kicks them out. And that happens over and over. 
So the purpose of the miracles is to show us that this is who Jesus really is. Um, It it reminds me of that text in uh, Luke where John the Baptist, you know the story, John the Baptist goes to jail. He gets arrested. uh, And so John the Baptist is in jail. And then John the Baptist has some doubts in jail. He's wondering, is Jesus really the Messiah? I mean, if Jesus is the Messiah, then like, why am I in jail? You know, I would think if Jesus was the Messiah, I should be like, you know, on the winning team, not on the losing team. And so he sends his disciples to Jesus and he says, uh, are you the one we should, we're waiting for? Should we look for someone else? Are you really the Messiah? And what does Jesus say? He says, go back and tell John what you've seen. The blind see, the deaf speak, the, the lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised, the good news is preached to the poor. In other words, you know I'm the Messiah because I'm healing people like this. And, and it should cause them to be amazed because Jesus does everything well. He even makes the deaf and mute to speak. In fact, there's even a little word here that's, this is kind of getting in a little bit theology geeky here, but look at verse 32 where it says, there some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. See that phrase, could hardly talk? In, in Greek, it's, it's one word and it's a very rare word that only occurs here in all of the New Testament. It's the only time you find this Greek word for like having difficulty speaking or, or speaking with an impediment or being mute and, uh, and it occurs here in this text. Another place it occurs, though, interestingly, is in the Old Testament, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. So you know the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and then they translated it into Greek. And, and in, in the Greek version of the Old Testament, this same word occurs one time, and it occurs in Isaiah 35, which is a prophecy about the coming salvation of God and his Messiah who will cause the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. And, and so I even wonder if Mark here is, is using this rare word to kind of point us back to Isaiah and say, this is the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is the Savior sent from God to heal us and to save us and to rescue his people. Jesus is the Messiah. And so we should be amazed and marvel at him. You know, there are, we live in a world where there are people constantly trying to get us to believe in them and their message. Uh, you see it on, uh, you know, talk radio and cable TV pundits, and they're all arguing and, and competing with each other to try to get our attention to listen to them and their take on politics and their take on current events. And, and so they're all, they're all trying to convince us that kind of they're the one who can lead us and guide us. Uh, politicians, of course, have always been doing this. They, they do it all the time. You know, no, 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 you know, don't listen to that person. I've got the policies. I've got the ideas. And, and in, in our United States, of course, it's so very political. Everything is politicized. I have to tell you, one of the benefits of living in the Middle East is being away from American politics. <laughs> it's like a detox. <laughs> it's like a cleanse. I feel so much better. <laughs> It's like, it, and it's just, you know, it, I, you realize when you come back from being overseas, it just, it's shoved in your face. It's pushed from all angles. You can't escape it. it it's everywhere. It seems it just finds you. You know, you go into a, a, a restaurant just to have a meal and there's a TV and there's, you know, CNN or Fox. And you're like, I, get me away from this madness. But the politicians are always pushing a message on us. They're the ones who can tell us the right way. They're the ones who can fix it. Uh, we, we live in a very marketed culture where, where goods and products and advertisement 
uh, is pushed on us. Again, that, that's something I've experienced coming back to the United States after living abroad is, is just seeing, again, the level of marketing with which we have to like, constantly wade through and sift and sort. And all of these voices telling us, this is the way. Do this. Believe that. Adopt this lifestyle. Eat this. Follow this. But I just want to tell you this morning, there's only one man who made the deaf to hear. There's only one man who made the blind to see. There's only one man who raised the dead. There's only one man who died on a cross for your sins and rose from the dead. And it's Jesus. He's the Messiah. So, my friends, you know, we just have to fight to, to tune out all of the competing voices, all of the, the, the would-be messiahs and the would-be prophets of our age and the, the would-be utopian visions and, and listen to the one who made the deaf to hear and, and the mute to speak. It's Jesus, and he's so remarkable. It should cause us to be amazed at him. And that's what the Gospel of Mark is all about. You know, Mark is just, in all the Gospels, really... The purpose of the the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are just four angles of looking at Jesus to hold him up and say, this is the one. This is the one our hearts look for. Even when we we vote for a political candidate, hoping that they're going to actually follow through and do what they say. Because deep down, we really do want someone to lead us and guide us and hold the truth. But this is the one. This is the king sent from heaven. This is the God-man, Jesus, the Messiah. I was uh, talking recently with one of my Muslim friends uh, in Abu Dhabi, and, uh, and we, we got a, he was a, sort of a spiritual conversation, and he was telling me, he says, you know, Jeremy, he says, there's, there's only one person in history who's totally clean. He says, there's only one person in history who, who everyone is okay with and everyone is comfortable with. He goes, it's Jesus. And, uh, it, which is a remarkable statement. Now, of course, if you know Islamic theology, you know that uh, Muslims do believe Jesus is a prophet. They, hold, they respect Jesus. Uh, there's more written in the Quran about Jesus than there is about uh, Muhammad. Um, so Jesus is a very respected figure among Muslims. But, but he was saying more than that. He, there was something there. He was like, this is the one guy who's clean that we all can kind of agree on. And, and people respect Jesus. People see Jesus in this light because he is the, the one clean person throughout history who, who doesn't have the skeletons in their closet, doesn't have the scandals, doesn't have any hidden tapes coming to light. This is the one guy that we can trust and believe in, is Jesus, because he is the Messiah sent from God. And of course, then you wonder, like, well, well if you feel that way about Jesus, then why, why don't you believe in Jesus? Well, that brings me to my second point, that this text tells us something about ourselves. This text not only holds up Jesus as the Messiah in whom we should marvel, the miracle-working Messiah. But I think this text is also a mirror that reveals our own hearts and our own condition. And I think what this text is is showing us, especially I'm going to show you in its context, is that it's also reminding us that we are spiritually deaf. That we are spiritually deaf. That the human condition is not one of spiritual receptivity, but our natural human condition is one of spiritual deafness. That we are deaf and mute, we are spiritually blind, we are spiritually dead, and that we need a miraculous intervention 
from God, just as this man did. That, that this story of the deaf man has a kind of parabolic or spiritual force to it uh, beyond just the healing of the man. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think that this story is first and foremost a historical account of a miracle. I, I believe there really was a deaf man who really was healed literally, physically, and that that happened. But I also think that Mark takes this story and he puts it in a context. He organizes stories around it so that it also has a kind of spiritual force, so that the, the deaf man's physical condition becomes a kind of metaphor or a picture or a, a parable of our, all of our spiritual deafness that we have. That the, that the problem with the human race is not just that sometimes we commit sins, but it's that our very sin nature makes us deaf to the things of God. Let me show you what I mean. Let, let me give you four arguments Let's get a little bit uh, textual, biblical, theological here. This will be fun. Four arguments from the text, from the context, that, that I would say show us that the story of the deaf man being healed is not only a literal account of a healing, but it's also a kind of parable of our spiritual condition. All right, here's the first argument. Um, and, and it occurs there in verse 34 where it says, he looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh, he said to him, Ephatha. And you wonder, why did Jesus sigh deeply when he healed this man? And some, I was reading different commentators, some commentators said, well, it's because it shows it was a really hard miracle to do. And that, I was like, really? So raising the dead, easy, healing the, like, this is, like he's putting the, his ears in the, his, you know, the fingers in the ears, and he's like, <gasps> like, I don't know. It just seemed kind of silly to me. Well, interestingly, you see the 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 word the word there for deep sigh. It only occurs here in Mark, but a variation of the word occurs a few verses later. So now I'm going to take you into chapter eight. We're going to, you know, sort of set you up for the next few weeks. But let me just kind of preview chapter eight. What happens in chapter 8? Well, in verses 1 uh, to 13, it's the feeding of the 4,000. An amazing miracle. We had a feeding of 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. And then Jesus gets into a confrontation with the Pharisees. Look at verse 11. The Pharisees came and began to question him. This is after the miracle. To test him, they asked for a sign from heaven. So I guess like the feeding of the 4,000 wasn't a sign enough. Like you want another sign. Okay, and, uh, it, and Jesus is flabbergasted. Verse 12, he sighed deeply. It's the same Greek word except with a little prefix added to it to kind of intensify the word. And it's the only two places in Mark you get this word. And, but what is Jesus sighing about there? He's sighing at their unbelief. He's sighing at their, uh, if you will, their spiritual deafness that they can't hear. That Jesus like heals people in front of them and feeds people in front of them. And they're still like, well, we're not so sure. Like, maybe you should give us a sign. It's like, you guys are deaf. You're blind. The signs are in front of you, but you can't see the signs. And so that, that makes me think that, that, the, that this miracle of the healing of the deaf man is being positioned contextually to also be a symbol or a picture or a parable of the spiritual healing, the, the sighing that Jesus does. Or here's the second argument. Notice then the conversation Jesus immediately has with the disciples. Verse 14, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. 
Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. And they discussed this with one another and said, Is it because we have no bread? Like, oh, come on, guys. You just, like, you think bread's really a problem after he just fed the 4,000? Like, do you think this is what Jesus is worried about is bread? Like, come on. He can make bread. It's not a big deal. No, no. He's saying, don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be close-minded and unbelieving and deaf to the things of God. Beware of the spiritual deafness condition. And then look what he says, verse 17. After their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see? And what? Ears but fail to hear. And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves and the 5,000? He's like, guys, it's not a problem. The bread's not the issue. You have ears but fail to hear. And so there's a, there's a concern here, not just for physical hearing, but also for spiritual healing. You know, the, the Pharisees are spiritually deaf. The disciples are in danger of falling into the similar errors of the Pharisees. He's warning them against the spiritual deafness and unbelief that they have as well. That's the second evidence. Here's the third evidence. The third one is the fact that I I think in the background is the the book of Isaiah. Remember I mentioned Isaiah before with that little word for mute? Isaiah is here again. Listen to these words again in verse 17 and 18. Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do Do you have eyes but fail to see? Do you have ears but fail to hear? Don't you remember? That language is coming right out of Isaiah. If you're familiar with Isaiah chapter 6 when Isaiah is preaching judgment on Israel because they have eyes but can't see, ears but can't hear, hearts that don't understand. And and so throughout the book of Isaiah, there's this concern for spiritual seeing and spiritual hearing, to be able to believe the word of God and how Israel was deaf and blind to the word of God. And so here, Israel in Jesus' day is falling into the same problem and Jesus is warning them. So I think the Isaiah background of this is kind of like the backdrop on the stage. So the main action is there with Jesus, but the backdrop is Isaiah. And again, it's pointing to the spiritual deafness. So you've got the, the sighing. You've got what he says to the disciples. You've got the Isaiah background. And then here's my last and final argument for why I think the healing of the deaf man is a parable. Both It has a parabolic force for our spiritual healing. And that is the next miracle that happens, the healing of the blind man. Okay, so just following the context here. There's this, this crazy story, the healing of the blind man, which is, a, I, th- I think, a paired miracle with the deaf healing. Look at the healing of the blind man. They came to Bethsaida, verse 22, sorry, chapter 8, verse 22. And some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand, led him outside of the village, just like he did the deaf guy. When he had spit on the man's eyes, there's the spitting again. So I think these two miracles are supposed to go together. It's the only time you get the spitting in Mark. All right? So it's, it's putting them, it's, it's pairing these miracles. Right? He spit, he put his hands on him, and he said, what do you see? Do you see anything? Verse 24, he looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. So once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And then again, Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village, don't tell people, keep it quiet, again, that whole thing. And this is a really weird miracle, isn't it? Only time you ever find this is here in Mark. The two-stage healing. Why did it take Jesus two tries to heal this guy? Isn't that weird? Like Jesus doesn't usually struggle with healing people. And suddenly he's like, heals him. All right, what do you see? Yeah, I can see people, but they look like trees. 
Like, hmm, let's try it again. He does it again. Like, what? Why, why is that? That's a really weird miracle, isn't it? And uh, so it's like, it's like he's healed so that he can see, but he's misinterpreting what he's seeing. He can see, but he doesn't understand. He's misunderstanding what he can see. And you're like, well, that's kind of a weird miracle. Yeah, but then look what comes next in chapter 8. is Peter. And this, again, is why I think this has a, a spiritual force. Peter's like this two-stage healing blind guy. Because Peter can see, but he misunderstands. So verses 27 to 30 is Peter being asked, who, who do you say I am? And he's like, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. Peter sees it. Good job, Peter. You see. But Peter misinterpreted the Christ. Because then in verse 31, Jesus says, okay, now let me tell you what I'm going to do as the Christ. I've come here to die. And Peter's like, no, no, no. Time out. You're not here to die. That's not what the Messiah does. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. So he goes from like hero, yeah, you're, you notice the Messiah, to Satan. <laughs> he sees, but he doesn't see. He misinterprets what he's seeing. He, he's not rightly understanding that Jesus is the Messiah. He came to die and rise again to save us from our deepest problem, which is not politics, which is not uh, finances, which is not health. Our deepest problem is our sin. And Jesus came to save us from that, our core problem. Peter didn't get it. And so I think because you have this pairing between the, the healing of the blind man and the healing of the deaf man, and these two miracles are, are like a pair, and, and the blind man miracle is clearly has a spiritual significance in Peter, I think it's also true then that the, the hearing parable also has a spiritual significance, that there's a spiritual deafness. Okay, is anyone completely lost at this point? I was just, okay. If you are, let me just sum up. This is what I was trying to say. <laughs> The story of the healing of the deaf man is not just a literal healing story, though it is. It is also a, a picture of the spiritual healing of our spiritual deafness that we all need. That all of us, because of our sin nature, have a deafness toward God. Some of us are like those Pharisees, who they smart guys, religious guys. But they just couldn't hear it. They couldn't see it. Jesus is doing miracles right in front of them. And they're like, well, maybe give us a sign and we'll believe. And it's like, oh, guys, guys, you just, you're deaf. You know, <laughs> even if someone were to rise from the dead, you wouldn't believe. Because it's not, a, it's not an intelligence problem. You know, be- becoming a Christian is not about you got to be smart or you have to have enough information. I mean, you have to have some information, but it's not... The problem with, that keeps, people, keeps us from following Jesus isn't that we're not smart enough, not educated enough. It's a heart problem. Our hearts don't want to believe. You know, it's like really smart people. Really smart people. Scientists. They're smart. They have all kinds of degrees. They're smarter than I am. They spend all day looking through a microscope at cells. Right? Cells. A single cell, which is like, so ridiculously complex. I mean, a, a cell makes an iPhone look like an abacus. A cell is like galactic level complexity in that little cell. And they look at those things all day. And then they're like, well, I don't know if there's a God. It's like, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, isn't that cool how your iPhone randomly came together by natural causes? Like, no, man. Someone designed it. Someone built it. Or people say, I know these things happen for a reason. A lot of people say that. 
I know this happens for a purpose. Like, okay, let's go there. Like, like who? if there's a reason, then there's a reasoner. You can't have a reason without a reasoner. You can't have a purpose without a purposer. It's illogical. Like, let's follow that. But wh- why don't people take that next step? It's not because they're dumb. It's not because they're uneducated or unsophisticated. It's because we all are deaf and we can't hear it. God is shouting at us every day through creation, through circumstances, through the Bible, if we'll read it, through friends, through people. God is screaming at the world. But if you're deaf, it doesn't matter how loud it is. We're so deaf. This is how bad it is. We're so deaf, we're like deaf to our deafness. We're so blind, we're blind to our blindness. We don't even realize how blind we are. You know, we we think we're okay. We're like, well, I'm I'm, I'm not a bad person. You know, I I coach my kid's soccer team. (laughs) You know, and we replaced all the windows in our house with those energy savers. So we're like, you know, reducing our carbon footprint. And like, I have like three rescue dogs. I mean... I'm not a bad, you know, every time I go to Starbucks and I get my, you know, grande latte with extra, you know, whatever. And then they, and I give them a five and they give me the change. I always put in the tip jar. I'm a good person. And, you know, that's, that's like being deaf to how deaf you are. We've created our own suburban morality. Basically, rather than looking into the mirror of scripture and saying, this is who we are in God's eyes. We've set up our own mirror and, and whatever we see in the mirror, we're like, well, that must be what's right. Because that's what I am. Self-fulfilling prophecy. I think I'm an okay person because that's what I see in the mirror. So this is my new level of morality. Instead of saying, what does God want of my life? You know, God, people, God made you. God totally owns you. You totally owe God everything. So to live as if God doesn't matter. We can make up our own morality. It's, the, it's like the ultimate blasphemy. And there's coming a day when God is going to hold this whole world account for its betrayal and rebellion against Him. The judgment day is coming like a freight train. We're sitting on the tracks, but we can't hear the train coming because we're deaf. And it's... And we're just like... Sipping my latte, everything's good. <laughs> Ignoring our maker. God, God is coming in judgment on this world. And I want you to know that there's a way to be saved. There's a way to be reconciled to God. But it's not be a better person. It's not go to church more. It, it's not be a better volunteer. There's only one way for you to be reconciled to God. It's through Jesus whom God has sent to die and rise again to save you. You've got to repent of your sins. You've got to be able to say, I'm deaf and I need healing. I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Until you come to Jesus empty-handed, you won't come at all. But it's not just the Pharisees who had a hearing problem. It was the disciples too, right? Jesus is warning them. Peter, like her, but he didn't understand. And I think that's, that's a reality, too, that we have to face as Christians, that even those of us who follow Jesus, even those of us who believe in Jesus, even those of us who, by God's grace, have come to hear the gospel, and we believe it, we sing those songs, and we believe our salvation is in Jesus, yet even we have a spiritual deafness in us. Maybe a different metaphor. Uh, maybe it's like selective hearing. You know anyone with selective hearing in your family? Kids have selective hearing. 
Time for bed. Nothing. Uh, anyone want ice cream? Yes! <laughs> it's a miracle they were healed. <laughs> How can they hear all of a sudden? Selective hearing. You know, spouses have selective hearing. Uh, it's, it's crazy. And I think we have selective hearing toward God, even as Christians. As Christians, we have selective hearing. And we, need, we constantly need God to give us ears to hear. We constantly need to come to God saying, please heal my hearing. We, we come to the Bible and, and we pick and choose, right? We have favorite doctrines. We have certain texts that we like. You know, yeah, I love grace. I love mercy. Don't want to talk about hell. Don't want to talk about judgment. Don't want to talk about holiness. Love to talk about blessing and, and God's anointing and God's provision. You know, this is a major, major, probably the biggest theological problem uh, where I come from in the Middle East is, is the global south is just overrun with the prosperity gospel. It's like viral, and it's, it's just all, you know, if you believe in God, he'll give you your blessing, he'll give you your anointing, he'll make you rich, he'll make you healthy. And, and you know, people hear that, but they don't want to hear suffering. They don't want to hear sacrifice. They don't want to hear Jesus say, take up your cross and follow me. And so we have selective hearing. We, we gravitate towards certain books of the Bible, but we ignore other books of the Bible because they say things that, that don't fit. And so we, we need to study all of God's word. We need to preach all of God's word. We need the whole counsel of God because we have a spiritual selectivity problem. And it's not just doctrinal issues. It's like even more. It's our life issues, right? You know, just, isn't it amazing how you can be a Christian here for decades? I, I don't know if anyone here is like me. I've been following Jesus for several decades. And I'm just amazed in my own life how there are just some things that I still feel like I'm a baby at. You know, like I feel strong in this area, but, I, you know, patience or compassion or or mercy, or love for God. And I'm like, why is my heart so cold? And I, and I realize that there's areas in my life where there's huge blind spots, huge deficiencies, air, parts of Scripture and God's command in my life that I select out. Even churches do this. I, as a pastor uh, in, in my church in Abu Dhabi, I, you know, it's one of the things I just pray about. Like, what, what does God want to say to my church? What are we sort of collectively as a church filtering out? And selectively hearing that we need to hear from God's word. What does God want to say to South Shore Baptist Church? What do you need to hear from God? What, what, what are you sort of, as a sort of corporate way, sort of selectively not listening to? It reminds me of what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Remember that? Where, Re- where Jesus writes the seven letters to the seven churches. And he writes to the whole church. And he's like, this is what your church needs to hear. And with everyone, he ends the letter how? He who has... Ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so even as churches, we we have to continue to listen. And so we, we as Christians, we struggle with spiritual deafness. Our deafness is our inherent condition. It is our baseline, our status quo. We are spiritually deaf. But I have good news this morning. Jesus heals Deaf people. Jesus heals deaf people. Jesus can heal. He can heal physically. We believe that through prayer. God can heal when he chooses. But even more miraculously, I think, he can heal our hearts. He can heal our souls. He can help us to hear. So my friends, maybe you have someone in your life who is just so deaf to God. Anyone here have a, a loved one? parent, a brother, sister, man, talking to them is like talking 
It's not even like talking to a wall. It's like, it's like talking to an explosion. <laughs> you, you start bringing up Jesus and they're like, I'm sorry, don't bring that up. Man, don't give up. Keep praying. You're like praying for them? Yes, Jesus can open deaf ears. It's happened before. Keep praying. Don't give up. I know you're discouraged. Don't stop. Don't stop. You know? Who knows? Maybe you'll pray and then you'll die. And then they'll come to know Jesus. You don't know. Just pray. Keep sharing. Because God can open deaf ears when God sovereignly chooses. And maybe you're here as a Christian. And and I would just encourage you and encourage myself. Let's keep praying for hearing. You know, every time we read the Bible, hopefully we read the Bible in our personal lives. Every time you come to the Bible, just say, God, I'm about to read your word. Give me ears to hear. I, I know that unless you help me hear this, I'm just going to totally miss stuff. And just ask for Jesus to keep giving you hearing, to hear his word. God, speak to areas of my life that I'm blind to. When you come to church on Sunday morning as you're driving here to South Shore Baptist, make that your prayer in the car. God, I'm about to go and hear the word of God. And whether or not the the preacher does okay or not okay is really not the point. The point is, I'm going to hear your word. God, speak to me through your word. It's about the word. It's not about the preacher. May God speak through his word. And just pray for your ears to be open. And finally, maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. um, But you're here, right? Which is great. I'm so glad you're here. And and maybe, this this is what I experienced before I became a Christian. As I was hearing the gospel... I came to this place in my life where, where I was believing it, and it all made sense to me, but there was this gap that, that I had to cross to go from not believing to believing. And even though, like, intellectually I heard all the things and it all made sense, I just couldn't get across that gap, you know? And I was like, how? And I realized it wasn't at that point an intelligence problem. At that point it wasn't a data problem. It wasn't an evidence problem. It was just a heart problem. And, and maybe that's where you're at, where you're like... I'm, you know, it's a part of me that really wants to believe, but I, I just can't cross that, that line, that, that sort of invisible line in my soul. And, and so I would just encourage you to pray and say, Jesus, I want to believe. Help my unbelief. Heal my ears. Give sight to my eyes. Jesus, grant me faith. If you're real, this is what I need. I need you to carry me, and to, to give me that faith to believe. Keep praying that. Because my friends, the Jesus I read about in the New Testament is a Jesus who always healed when asked. He always healed those who asked. And he can heal you too. Because he healed me. And he's been healing throughout all these centuries. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your power to give hearing to the deaf. And Lord, again, we just come to you as a, 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 a disabled people, uh, a people with special spiritual needs. Lord, we are desperately in need of your healing touch. And God, I pray that you would touch us supernaturally, that you would give us those ears to hear and those eyes to see and that heart to believe. God, we, we long for your work in our lives. God, give us confidence in the Word of God. Give us confidence in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us not to look and judge things based upon circumstances or reactions of people. But God, help us to pray and believe that you alone can do these things. So Lord, be at work. And now as we come to the communion table, we pray that you'd be here with us and minister to us. Lord, we love you and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.